Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson, and in this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Laura Belgray, the freelance copywriter turned online business owner of a company called Talking Shrimp. Laura got her start after college doing work for companies like Nickelodeon, NBC, Bravo, USA Lifetime, and other television brands where she wrote a lot of creative and catchy promo spots for upcoming episodes of America's favorite TV series throughout the 90s and 2000s. Today, Laura still takes on a limited number of freelance copywriting and strategic advising gigs, but has the portfolio and tangible client results to charge a very hefty rate for her services. On top of this side of her business, Laura's gotten into building a dependable source of revenue from affiliate promotions and the sales of her own courses, one of which is called The Copy Cure and is a copywriting course in collaboration with the massively popular online entrepreneur Marie Forleo. In this episode, Laura and I talk about how she built such a powerful personal brand and she's now able to charge in excess of $1,400 an hour for her time as a copywriter and consultant. We take a look at the behind the scene details of Laura's business from consulting clients to copywriting projects, affiliate revenue, and the sales of her own digital products. We dive into what it takes to systematically increase your freelance rates, how to be in the transition from selling your own services into building a business around your own digital products, how strategic partnerships and affiliate deals have changed your career, and seriously, so much more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Laura Belgray. Laura, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. You're um, a fellow copywriter, although I uh, do not want to put myself anywhere near being on your level. Um, Come on. (laughs) Don't even. As I was doing my research about you for this interview, I I stumbled across some of, you know, what I personally feel is some of the best, um, maybe most fun copywriting that I've ever really sat down and read. So, you know, writing for both yourself and for some of the clients you've worked for, Bravo, NBC, Nickelodeon, Marie Forleo, the list goes on. And and I want to dig into all of this, but first uh, I wanted to take it back to the beginning. Where are you originally from? Oh, I'm originally from New York City and I'm sitting here in New York City right now. I pretty much never left except for college. That doesn't count. (laughs) Where'd you go to school? I went to Wesleyan University, which is in Connecticut, uh, Middletown, Connecticut. It's about an hour and a half drive away um, if you're driving fast. And so it was like close enough to bring my laundry home. <laughs> so why, why New York City? Why did that continue to be home for you? I, can't, I cannot imagine living anywhere else. I'm just, I'm such a New York City girl. First of all, I don't drive. I know that you can live anywhere now, thanks to Uber, um, even being a terrible, terrible driver like I am. But I'm just like, I love walking around. I love walking everywhere to, to where I need to be. Uh, and I am a New York girl. Like I grew up here when it was dirty and filthy and full of muggers and perverts in the 1970s. And yeah, you know, kind of miss that. But I've, I've gone along with the changes as it's cleaned up and gotten sterile and full of hedge funders. Um, I'm still yeah. a fan. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, what was your first job out of college? Hmm. My first job out of college was bartending. Um, and I was just a terrible bartender. And my, my mother was like, 
is this what you want to do with your life? She kind of gets ahead of herself. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a bartending job. I didn't say it was for life. I'm not signing a contract, but I kind of, I I knew I wanted to do something with writing, but I didn't know what the options were for me. So I thought, okay, I'll delay that (laughs) and not try to figure it out. And I'll get a job bartending and make all kinds of cash. I just pictured, I just pictured like, cash floating around fists like fists full of cash and someone like Rob <laughs> Lowe or Tom Cruise. Yeah. Raining cash. And, and someone like Rob Lowe or Tom Cruise bartending next to me. And then me, like I pictured myself talking to all different kinds of people and they'd lay their troubles on me and I would collect their stories for some sort of writing. I didn't know what and it would be like, <laughs> I, I would be a student of life. So that was my first job out of college. And did it go as planned? Oh, no. Well, I was terrible at it. I got fired from every bartending job. I didn't get good ones in the first place. Like I went to, I went to the Columbia School of Bartending, which was, you know, in the, in the hallowed classrooms where they taught, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, um, Comte and uh, Kierkegaard and Trollope and whatever else. Um, I was learning how to make mixed blender drinks. And it was just an, pretty much people's excuse to go and get drunk for credit i think uh so that (laughs) that did not do anything for me on my resume i remember handing my application my my bartending application to different bar owners and they'd be like oh columbia school of bartending that's nice have you bartended before um yes so i got some terrible jobs in terrible places uh and like places that were just coated in vomit and um (laughs) And I wasn't even good enough to be there. I was a very slow bartender. And that was pretty much the problem. I didn't know how things worked. And people would say, I want a draft beer. And I'd be like, remind me again where that comes from. <laughs> so, um, well, How did you eventually find yourself into writing for television networks? Uh, you know, VH1, USA, Lifetime. A yeah. ton of, how did you I, get that? Definitely not through bartending. So I... <laughs> I, my first, I had an internship at Spy Magazine, which um, I, I wasn't very good at either. I was no better at that than I was at bartending. I didn't have any ideas to pitch, anything like that. But I did get hired on the ad side afterwards because they were kind of like one big family and we were all on the same floor and they knew me. So they gave me a job over there and I got my first assignment on the ad side writing an advertorial for doers um, and an advertorial being a page in the magazine that looks like it's part of the magazine, but has in tiny letters at the top advertisement. So I wrote this funny advertorial for doers and it was called, um, it was a quiz called, do you party like your uncle Marty? And it was basically a quiz to determine whether you were uh, like swing and hip single person um, who knew how to party or an old geezer fart. And if you were, of course, the answer was doers. So, uh-huh. the, so that, that went over pretty well. They really liked it. And I was there for a while. And then the magazine closed. I went to New York Magazine, which was way more corporate. And I wasn't really suited, suited for corporate uh, work for that environment in my little um, shrunken midriff tea. And... Uh, and my style was not really suited for corporate. And I remember that my boss there at New York Magazine saying, you know, this really isn't a, a New York Magazine kind of piece. It would be okay if it were a Nickelodeon piece, but 
for New York Magazine. Not so great. And I remember thinking, huh, I wish it were a Nickelodeon piece. Yeah. (laughs) So like she planted that seed in my head. And soon enough, a friend of mine from Spy Magazine, um, I had lunch with him and he was telling me about his new job writing promos for VH1. And I said, what does that mean? What are promos? And he's like, you know, they're the little things they run during the commercials that are like kind of a commercial, but it's for the show. And I just watch a whole bunch of TV and write little things. And I was like, holy crap, that's a job. That is the job I want to have. And it was a dream job. And I didn't. And so he set me up uh, with his boss for a meeting. And sure enough, she had more promos that she needed to farm out to more writers. I didn't really have anything to show her because, you know, usually they say like show us your reel. Um, what, what other spots have you done before? I had done none. I had pieces from magazines that weren't really exemplary. Um, and then I also had, um, the work that I had done in the interim on a, a, uh, an internet bulletin board. So this was back in the nineties before anyone really knew what the internet was. And there was a, a friend of mine from spy was at a startup um, who I didn't know what that was either. And he said, look, we have this bulletin board, which is, it was essentially a forum or what we would now call Facebook, where people start have conversations and they answer each other in, in the comments and threats. And he said, we just need this to look busy. Like, so just go in there and be yourself. Just write whatever you want to write about and start conversations and comment on other people's. So I would get in there like every day or two and, write stuff about what was going on on 90210 in Melrose Place. And um, I was just basically being myself and having conversations with people. And so I had that and I printed it all out and gave it to this VH1 person. I was like, this is my kind of writing. And she said, okay, this is great. Um, I'll hire you to write a promo, which she did. I wrote my first promo there. And then I got more work from them and then ended up at... Nickelodeon and Nick at Night, and which was the place to write promos. I really, like, even before I knew what promos were, I knew they had good ones. I would watch Nick at Night, watch their old shows, and be like, oh, they do funny little things about their old shows. I want to do that. I remember some clever ones there. Yeah, they had great ones. They had a real network voice. So um, that is how I got into that, really through a friend who was doing it. And I, I never knew that it was a possibility before he talked to me about it. And then I, once I knew it was a possibility, I went and got it. And um, that created a decades, multiple decades career for me. <laughs> well, some of the most fun kind of surprises happen out of things like that too. Oh, completely. I think, um, you know, people think they have to figure out what their career is right away, right out of college. And I think it's so much better if you go from job to job, you meet so many more kinds of people and you get exposed to all different kinds of work. And it takes a long time to figure out what works for you and what you like doing. I couldn't agree more. So Laura, I was originally introduced to your work actually um, after reading probably one of the catchiest titled articles I've seen on Business Insider uh, (laughs) about a year ago. And the title, I'm just going to read it because it's so awesome. Um, I earn $950 an hour writing from my couch. Here are my best tips for people who want to work for themselves. And, and uh, I was also poking around your website. I saw that, you know, today booking a one hour session with you to talk about copywriting and kind of like work on strategy uh, runs about $1,450. So 
Correct. Going, going back a little bit, uh, do you remember the first client that you booked with this like real true copywriting focus um, with Talking Shrimp, your company? I do. It was, okay, so it, the, this, this Talking Shrimp company came about sort of by accident. Um, so I, mm. I was That's friends with, do, right? yes, <laughs> I was friends with Marie Forleo, who you mentioned earlier. I knew her from hip hop class at Crunch. Um, we had become friends and she invited me to speak at her first live event. She knew that I did copywriting and she said, can you give a talk on copywriting to my people? And I was like, sure. Um, I didn't really know anything about online copywriting versus promo copywriting. I just gave my five best tips for copywriting, which I think apply to all. And people from after I spoke came up to me and said, I need help with my copy. Can you help me? And they were people like, the, I think the very first one was a real estate agent who needed help with her website. And so she hired me. And I can't remember what I charged her back then, but I think that my earliest prices were not the very earliest, but soon after were $250 an hour. Wow. That's a relatively high starting point, I think, compared to what, what most um, freelance writers or copywriters start at. I think so. I think it was because I'd been a copywriter for a long time. I felt confident asking that. And I was just like, okay, I'll just take a stab at it. And it was sort of based on what I charged in the TV world. Like I didn't charge by the hour in the TV world, but based on my day rate, I was like, all right, I'll do an hour at this rate. Mm -hmm. Um, And people, people went for it. They said, okay. So for our listeners out here today, I'm envisioning a lot of people um, listening who are freelance writers, freelance copywriters, um, and a lot of them are probably listening to this thinking, oh my God, how do I raise my rates to, to these kinds of levels? So I guess the first natural question is, um, how do you really determine what you should be charging? So for you, it was, it was a pretty easy um, equation, starting with what your day rate was, backing into what a good hourly rate might be. What are, what are some other ways that people can determine what they should be charging for their services? Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one because um, it's sometimes seems so arbitrary what people charge and what people will pay. I think it depends what kind of clients you're going for. I mean, some you know, are you helping clients who are making a ton of money? You might want to work your way up to that. Um, find out, you know, browse around other people's websites and see what they are charging. And in the TV world, there is a ceiling for what you can charge because there's a ceiling on their, they have their budgets. And it's also, it's not a vanity thing. They can go, they can say like, ah, our writing can be so-so. We don't need a great writer for this. Um, or we're not going to pay a top writer. We just need something, you know, or it's going to be copyright. We only need a few words and our budget is this. In the online world, it's not just a matter of how much the copy can bring in, like how much revenue it can bring in. Sometimes it's a matter of somebody, a business owner, wanting to be proud of their copy, of their branding, wanting to be able to say to someone, you know, anything you want to know, go check out my website and like have the confidence that that person will go over there and be wowed. So it is worth it to them, to a lot of people to pay a lot of money for that. It's not, you know, it's not based on necessarily, well, you know, I'll pay you this fraction of what I can potentially earn from this sale. Sometimes it's a matter of branding and and brand pride. 
I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Did you ever have any um, points in time throughout your career where you like experienced huge leaps in what you charged per hour? Did you like, you know, ever double, triple, quadruple? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes. In the past few years, um, like I think I, I think I went from 250, this is a while back, but from 250 to 500, 500 to 750, 750 to 950. And then recently, this is just this January, 950 to 1450. That's per hour. And when I increase my revenue, I increase my fee, sorry. It is, it's usually based on demand. If I'm getting all booked up and trying to cut back my hours, which I've been doing, like I have very few hours to provide, very few hours where I'm available. So the demand goes up, the supply goes down, I raise the rate. Um, but it's not, that's not just in a vacuum. It's not just... Because I want to make more, people will pay more. I think something that I've been doing is raising my profile, my public profile. By, I mean, you saw that that piece on me in Business Insider. That was intentional. I've gone out and pitched to a couple of different publications, Business Insider, Money, et cetera, Forbes, and been in them. And that gives you a, a lot of credibility. And then being on podcasts like yours, you're, you're helping me raise my rates right now. Um, I think podcasts are a great place to, to get your name out there and showcase your expertise and also speaking on stages. So the more you elevate your own profile, go out there and show yourself as an expert, I think the more you are able to charge and get away with. That is awesome advice. So ballpark figure today, Laura, about how much revenue would you say Talking Shrimp generates on, you know, maybe a monthly or, or yearly basis, if that's easier? Yeah, um, I would say on a, on a monthly basis, um, it can be anywhere from 20000 to 100000 depending on whether it's a month that I'm doing an affiliate promotion. So I love, I love do it being an affiliate partner um, for a couple of different courses. One is B-School, another is Impacting Millions. I'm right now promoting Amy Porterfield's uh, Digital Course Academy um, at the time of this recording. And so that brings in a good chunk of my, of my revenue. And then I, I take it a little easier throughout the rest of the year and just take clients and stuff like that. So it's, I would say, yeah, it's anywhere from 20000 to like 100000 depending on my lowest month, it'll probably be 20,000 where I, you know, blocked mm-hmm. out whole weeks and didn't take any clients um, or just did a little bit of client work. Uh, I also have, so I have, I have my client work, those hourly clients, and that's just on Wednesdays. I also have products in my shop that are little mini courses that are $99 to $199 currently. And those sell all the time. Um, through my emails. And then I have affiliate partnership revenue. And then I just started a group program. And that should probably bring me um, around 15,000 a month. And that's my first group program. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's a high ticket thing. And I've been wanting to do something because I, I love group coaching. I love talking. I love answering people's questions on the spot. It's kind of my favorite thing to do. It's something I did uh, in the live round of the copy cure. And I was like, I love doing this. So I put together a group program so that I can do that. 
and give them the benefit of that. And um, I'm just accepting people, like just letting people know today as we're recording this that they're in. So we'll see how that goes. It's an experiment. Yeah. And I'm glad you started talking about all these different ways you've kind of diversified your business away from just being a copywriter. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is something I see so many smart people that, that begin with selling their services, transition into eventually having their own products, recommending other products out there. Like this, this seems like a very smart direction. Um, so yeah, I mean, with that in mind, um, how do you build your audience? How are people discovering you online? You mentioned podcast, um, some press hits, things like that, speaking, um, what's working today for, you know, obviously if you're doing affiliate promotions, selling your own courses, I'm assuming you're building an email list of people who are interested in learning from you. So how, how are yeah. you building your audience? Yeah, it's really important. It's the thing that I've been the most slow on, unfortunately, because it is the most important thing in my business is my, my email list is incredibly engaged. Um, and I'm very happy about that, but the, it is a relatively weeny list compared to other people, other peers of mine who started at the same time who have like, they'll have like a quarter million people on their list or one friend of mine has a million people on her list Mm -hmm. and I have around 8,000. So I've never done, I think the reason for that is I've never done advertising. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just something I've been, I have honestly, I've been cheap about it. Um, So while most people are building their audience through advertising, I build mine through a little more organic kind of stuff like this. Yeah, what, what you just mentioned, podcasts, speaking, Instagram, um, that brings me some nice leads. It's not tons of them, but a good number. And um, yeah, and guest posting. Guest posting is a great way to get leads for free. Right. Absolutely. I want to double down on guest posting this year. That's something that's always paid huge dividends to me. Um, so I want to see exactly how far I can take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I say go for it. I have to do more of it myself. It always pays off. I mean, I've gotten up to a thousand, like the one, the article that you mentioned that brought me over a thousand leads, like the, the week or the couple of days that it was, that it came out and then it continues to bring me more, but that right away. That was a nice influx. Beautiful. All right, everyone go guest post. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, right. Laura, well, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I have just a couple of my frequently asked questions that I've designed to be short on my end. Your answers do not need to be equally so. Okay. What would be your number one piece of advice to our audience here today that wants to build a profitable copywriting business of their own? Focus on email. Build your email list and write to people. Get like get your list really engaged. That will give you, first of all, it will sell your services to them. It will sell your products to them if you design products. And it will allow you one day when you are feeling a little fried and burned out from just client work, one-on-one work, um, it will allow you to pivot and sell them something else. Because if you're a copywriter, use that copy to sell you and to sell whatever you want, um, not just for your clients, but for your own business. That's great advice. What would you say has been the best investment you've- Thank you so much, Ryan. It has been a pleasure. Can be in the form of time, money, tools, products, services, or otherwise. I would say right now, it's, it's an investment that I just finally made, which was admin help. I hired a, an assistant slash manager. I refer to her as my manager because she does way more than assist. She has her, her brain on my business all the time and advises me and helps keep 
things in order. Um, I basically hired her to be a boss to me and keep things together. So my manager, Sandra, makes so much more possible. You know, I can email more. The more I email, the more I make, the more like of my mini products I sell. So it allows me to just say, hey, you know, I just wrote this email. Can you look it over and send it for me rather than me going over it and making sure all the links are right. And that's a big pain in the butt. And um, it keeps me from writing all that much. So she makes a lot more possible. Best investment. I love it. All right. Well, Laura, thank you for joining us. Can you tell everyone listening today where they can go to learn more about you and everything that you're up to? Yeah, please come to talkingshrimp.com. That is where I hang out. And you can, if, can I offer them a freebie? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so I have, um, if you go to talkingshrimp.com slash subject lines, you will get my tips on, it, it's I think 33 of my most open subject lines and like four that bombed. I think those are the right numbers <laughs> and templates to write your own because it like getting people to open your email is all about the subject line. So you want to get great at that. And you can also come by and get my five tips for non-sucky copy and sign up for my emails. I want you on my list, like get in there, let me in your inbox. I want in. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you again, Laura, for joining us. Thank you so much, Ryan. It has been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.